We are delighted to partner with Jane Plan, the UK's leading weight management system for this season. Use unique code TWC50 for an incredible £50 off at www.janeplan.com. And suddenly, you, you, and it's such a strange feeling when you look around and you realise, oh my gosh, I'm the older person here at work. How did that happen? I, I remember when I was a bright young thing, suddenly I'm, an, I'm the older person. This is really strange. Am I relevant anymore? A lot of the words that we use and the tone that we use with ourselves makes us feel very small. And what that does is it makes the problem seem so big. And, and this can happen to us at any moment in life. But I think that there is a particular insidious loneliness that creeps in at mid, in middle age. Hello and welcome to Two Women Chatting. I'm Michelle. And I'm Liz. It's that time of year, isn't it? We got so much feedback from our Empty Nest episode with Louise Minchin. It was just so lovely. So many people said it really helped them and the guides that we've got on our website have got lots of good ideas and links and resources. And they're free, by the way. If you go on um, www.twowomenchatting.com, you can download them. We've got one for before they go, so you can plan. And we've got one for after they leave. So that you can, you know, at this time of year, when you've dropped them off, you know, they're, you know, they're settling in. Hopefully everything is going well for them. This is when you feel that sort of sense of quiet in the house. Um, you might want to reevaluate what you do with your life. And you actually you've got time to look after yourself a little bit more and, you know, consider do you want to start a job, volunteer? What, what, well, what did you do? I'm, well, no, I'm enjoying this time. <laughs> Oh, I love Having it. Having the empty nest. You know, because each September, you know, it's, it's a younger year, another year since the kids have gone off to university, or have gone all the way through now. And I'm really, really enjoying it. Yeah. And that's, you know, I think it's the first, this is the first year I've really, and maybe it's because we did the podcast, I don't know, and talked about it more, but I'm just really appreciating my time. Yeah. I, I love, I mean, when the weather is good and you can choose to go out for a lovely walk or meet some friends or, you're not rushing to pick them up from school and you don't have to bug them about homework and studying. There is something wonderfully liberating about it. You've just got time. You know, a lot of people work, but they still, in the evenings, they don't have to worry about cooking those meals or making sure the kids have done the homework, all those little bits and bobs that you, you, you did automatically before. It's just... I think eliminating the nagging is adding hours and hours to my day. I never nag. No, not you, me. <laughs> of course I did. Of I mean, my kids, I've never done anything. I've done this. I'm always nagging. Well, you should go into animation, Liz. That's a great voice. That's <laughs> you could be a, you're the voiceover. I'll be the cartoon character. But it's true. Isn't it nice not to nag all the time? Can you bring your laundry down? Have you got uniform for tomorrow? Have you done this? Yeah. It's you know. just... <laughs> Trouble is, though, you know, when <laughs> I don't actually have to get up to make sure that they're leaving for school or take them to school, but I can't sleep in. Half of the reason for that is because my brain is always whirring like something yeah. crazy. Um, but also, for some reason, seven o'clock, boom, I'm up. But I, I think it's going. for me, I think it's because it's still light, but there is nothing more pleasurable when it's dark in the morning, you know, which will be in the next few months or so, to be able to turn over and go, I don't have to get up. Or go that, back to bed with a yeah. cup of tea. Oh, it's just heaven. Sometimes, especially if you're not coming over, sometimes I literally don't get dressed until about one o'clock. 
Glad to see you made the effort today. Uh, actually, only the top half. <laughs> Get your slippers on. <laughs> but that is nice. I mean, you know, we've gone through the September blues in, in many ways. We're nearly into October. Yeah. Um, And that is sad. So many people are very sad about seeing their kids go. There was a point for me with my eldest, and she knows this. It was like, don't let the door hit you on the way out. <laughs> Because it was that friction, you know, that, that that you get with an 18-year-old sometimes who does a lot of eye rolls. But that relationship has changed so much. In fact, I met her for dinner last night and it's such a joy to see her as an adult now. Yeah. Really, I love it, love it, love it. Completely different relationship. No eye rolls. You know, someone I can turn to and say, do you think I did the right thing? What do you think about this? She'll tell me her dreams and wishes for the future and talk about her work i love it yeah it's a different relationship it really is i mean i i'm the same i love it. It, it i think as we get older our kids have got older obviously and it's another stage in life it's a new chapter it is you know embrace the emptiness as they say yes. somebody that did embrace some change when um they were in midlife and very bravely very publicly actually is andrea mclean who was um on the loose women panel for many years and decided to just do something different, which I am so in awe of. No, I was going to say, because one thing about, you know, being able to spend a bit more time not doing stuff, you can watch daytime TV as well. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Or go to daytime TV. Even better. So Liz and I and a couple of friends, um, Fiona and Tony, who um, Tony has been on the programme before. Fiona helps us amazingly with advertising and all sorts of collaborations. We trotted off with, here's a thing you can do. If you're if you happen to not be working and you're very lucky if you're not, but if you're not working, you can get free tickets. Did you know that for going to TV shows? So way back months ago, I got some tickets to go and see Loose Women. And um, as you may know by now, if you listen to this podcast, I do seem to have been born with very sharp elbows. And we find ourselves on the front row <laughs> at Loose Women because I got priority tickets. You know, if you don't ask, you don't get. True, that was quite right. Not to the front, we were in the middle. Stick with me, kiddo. (laughs) Anyway, we're going to meet one of the loose women right now, so let's welcome Andrea. So, it's a real pleasure to welcome Andrea McLean to our podcast today. Andrea was on daytime TV for 23 years from her days on GMTV until her really emotional goodbye as host of Loose Women after something like 1,400 episodes. An author, presenter, journalist and a life coach now, she's lived her midlife in the spotlight with a hysterectomy sending her into menopause and experiencing symptoms on air. Oh my gosh, I feel for you. A combination of a nervous breakdown in 2019 and the pandemic made Andrea determined to be brave and to give her new venture and what she believes is her real calling to make midlife women feel great again through her platform, This Girl is on Fire, created with her husband, Nick Feeney. It's a podcast, a website, an app and a Facebook group. This Girl is on Fire tackles midlife topics head on in a safe place, meeting with other women virtually at the same stage of life. And it's a really positive social platform for women who are halfway through, not halfway done. I love that quote of yours, Andrea. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. And I can I can tell you where that quote came from, if you like, because it definitely didn't come from a moment of, you know, 
blissful midlife joy. Uh, it actually came from me doing SAS Who Dares Wins and being confronted with Aunt Middleton and all the other uh, SAS ex-soldiers and all this sort of stuff. And I got asked, you know, why on earth would a woman in midlife? So I was I was 49 when I did it. At the time, I was the oldest uh, person to take part. And at the time, I was the oldest woman to take part. It was the first series where they allowed women in. And uh, they said, you know, why are you why are you here? And I said, because I want to show that I'm halfway through, not halfway done. And it just kind of came out. And then it was afterwards when they showed it on the telly. I thought, that's actually really good. I'm going to. I just said it off the top of my head, but actually I'm going to keep that. That's that should really go on a good. T-shirt right there. Trademark that. should, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're really brave doing SAS, but you're also brave leaving daytime TV, as everyone has talked about. It's very public, but I really admire that you took that leap. And obviously you've been massively inspirational to many other women who in midlife want to reinvent themselves or find a different purpose. So why did you become a life coach? Well, I mean, I suppose there's there's a few things wrapped up in there. And, and many people have asked me, couldn't you have done both? And really, I had been doing what I do now alongside working on TV for a number of years. I've just been doing it in a different form. So uh, this Girls on Fire started as a really simple online blog. Uh, it started really because I was I had to say on air that I was going to be off work for six weeks because I was having a hysterectomy for the simple reason that lovely Linda Robson said, you've got to say something or people will think you're being fired. And I hadn't crossed my mind that I would have to say something out, you know, something so personal out loud. And that moment literally changed my life because it meant I was talking really publicly about something that I was going through in real time because Previously, yes, I'd spoken about difficulties I'd had in the past, but I'd kind of spoken about them after the event. This I was now talking about in real time. And I started answering women's questions via social media, direct messages and this sort of thing. And I realized, oh, gosh, I, I can't keep up with this. You know, within 24 hours, 10,000 women got in touch with me. It was like a tsunami of questions. And so I decided to start a blog. And that in turn... Um, led to I ended up writing a book and then that led to a website and it kind of snowballed from there so leading up to why did I decide to to leave my job it was such an important thing that I I couldn't divide both my energies equally and I'd I'd been working in my job for you know over two decades something many midlife people not just women find themselves doing and I, I was, it was the middle of the pandemic. All of us were thrown into this crazy situation that you, you could not have foreseen. And I think me, like many other people, sort of sat down with myself and thought, this is shown you only get one shot at life. We don't know what's happening right now. You know, it, it, it felt like Armageddon. We, we kind of forget now, you know, now that things are sort of back to normal what that feeling was like, especially in that first year when we were in lockdown and everything else. And I thought, if it all was to end, are you really focusing on what you truly love? And I thought, no, I'm splitting my time. So actually, I need to go all in on this. So people think that I kind of walked away from television almost in a fit of peak or what have you. No, it wasn't that. It was a very, it was a very surreal time for all of us. And all I did was I, I left the job that I was in um you know I'd happily go back and do some sort of telly 
I just needed to focus purely on this this passion that I had for making people feel good. Um, and it people have said, gosh, you're brave. I have to be really honest with you. At the time, it didn't feel brave because it felt like just this thing that I had to do. Now I look back and think, oh my God, were you a crazy person? That was so brave. It's like when you look back on anything that you do in your life, it's with hindsight that you realize, that really was quite a big leap, wasn't it? At the time, I was so filled with sort of, you know, positivity and I'm going to change the world and it's all going to be amazing. I didn't really feel felt nervous um, and apprehensive, but also excited. And, and the word I like to use for my community was I felt nervous-sighted. There's like a nervous energy about it, about it all. Um, but yeah, it's only looking back now that I think, crikey, that really was quite something, wasn't it? It really was. Yeah. And hindsight, you're right. Hindsight is 2020 when you realize what you could have lost. But I like the way that you you phrased it. Um, I've heard you say that you sat down and you wrote a, instead of a what if it all goes wrong list, changed it to what if it all goes right list. That's a brilliant reframing. I did both. So I, I, the way I see it is so often we hold ourselves back because we think, oh, but what if everyone laughs at me? What if I make a fool of myself? What if I lose everything? What if I lose my my respect, my dignity, and all of the, all of these things? Never mind, you know, financially and all of that. And then I thought, okay, if you're going to look so with such intent at all the what ifs that could go wrong, you also need to look with intent at all the what ifs that could go right. So I flipped every problem that I had on its head, and I looked at both sides. But what I also did is I, I wrote down, and I sat with Nick and did this. Um, I also wrote what we then called, we didn't at the time, but we sort of called afterwards, our blueprint for failure. And what that meant was, rather than just being kind of Pollyanna-ish about it, and, yeah, it could go wrong, but oh, it's like a Disney movie or a Hallmark film. It could all be amazing and all could but go right. You know, the bit that you see next is, is me with a ponytail chewing a pencil and a slightly golden glow, just kind of prancing around, painting an office, you know, and it's, and then that bit is is done in montage. And then afterwards it's, oh, she's a global billionaire and she took over the world. You know, it's like, no, okay, let's look really realistically at all the things that could go wrong. Look it in the face and then ask yourself, right, if that happens, could you live with that and still go forward? Yes, all right, what would you do Okay, I could do this. And it was like a flow chart. And what it gave us both was a flow chart of solutions of what we could do if various problems came up. And I'd advise anyone who's making any kind of life change, doesn't have to be in midlife, it could be at, at any point, absolutely do the what if. And instead of just focusing on the negative, to keep yourself stuck. And let's be really honest. Most of the time we go, but what if this happens? What if it goes wrong? We're kind of doing it to self-perpetuate our stuckness. We're doing it to keep ourselves where we are. And that's understandable because even if we don't like where we are, we know where we are. It's better the devil we know. We're comfortable with it. That can be a relationship. It can be a job. It can be our, our you know, our physical health. It could be anything. Um, so do the what if game and flip it around. And then also go, right, okay, I think I'm going to do this. Write down a list of everything that could go wrong with a little flow chart of all your solutions. And then what that does not only do you sort of feel better and you think it's like packing a little backpack of solutions. You feel like, okay, I'm going to go on this journey now and I've, you know, I've got my Dora the Explorer bag. I can pull out my magic map um, and I'm kind of all right. 
And I think once, once you feel, especially as women, actually, once we feel like we're a little bit prepared, we feel a bit better. It's the fear of the unknown that holds us back most of the time. Absolutely. Yeah, it's having that toolbox at your disposal and knowing whichever way, whichever fork in the road happens, you've got that ready. You've got a plan for that each time. I see it as being realistic, but believing in yourself. I mean, my husband and I said, I mean, like you, I worked with my husband years ago. And it is, it is that you've got to have that belief. Um, and I really feel if you don't, it, it does fail. I've seen lots of businesses that have failed, but if you believe, but you're realistic and you've done, you know, you proved it. And I also think as well, don't be afraid to, to change in it. I think that, you know, if you read the, a lot of the magazines or uh, online advice columns or what have you, or even on Instagram, you know, there's this idea of, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to be a girl boss bitch. I'm just going to believe in myself and it will all just, I'm going to manifest. It's all just going to be great. Now I believe in manifesting. I believe in vision boards and all this sort of stuff. You don't just kind of put it out there and then off you go. And I'm going to manifest the hell out of this. And I'm just going to be really rigid and stick to my path. Actually, be really open to, to changing direction. Be open to the idea that actually this big goal that you have, you may achieve it, but it may not look at all how you thought it was going to. And also be prepared to look it in the face and go, do you know what? This isn't working. This isn't working the way I thought it would or the way I would like it to. So actually, I'm going to put this bit down and I'm going to focus on something else. And that doesn't mean you failed. Actually, for me, it's a, it's a power move. We, we all know people who have stayed in jobs that they hate because they're too scared to go, stayed in relationships too long because they're too scared of go, to go. It's exactly the same thing if you've made a huge life decision and, and walked away and then you realize, you know what, this isn't going quite the way I thought. I'm going to stop. I'm going to regroup. I'm going to change direction. If, if you know, if you sat, if your sat nav is going loop the loop, I have the craziest sat nav system. Nick laughs at me. I don't know what happens whenever I'm driving the car, or especially if I'm on my own. My sat nav suddenly decides, ha ha, I'm going to take you to the middle of a field in the middle of nowhere, and then go recalculating, recalculating. And the amount of times I've had to ring Nick, and he's literally sat there with find a, my friend or whatever it is, you know, so you can see my location and he's on his phone going, babe, you're in a field. I don't know how you got there. Okay. Um, right. Turn around. What can you see? And I'm like, I can see trees. I can see trees. There's lots of swearing. I can all of these trees. And he guides me back. It's the same with life. Sometimes you're, you're marching off full of intent. Then you realize my bloody sat nav isn't working how I thought I'm in the middle of a field. And actually I'm just going to stop and regroup and start again. Not failure. You'd be more of a failure if you just kept going just because you were too embarrassed. That's what I think. That's the beauty of maturity, really, isn't it? I think that's what a lot of you know, midlife men or women um, in your 40s, 50s, 60s, you're, you're bringing that hindsight, you're bringing that wisdom and maturity. And you know, when I see women leaving their jobs because it's not working for them because uh, the menopause is making it difficult to work, confidence is eroded anxiety is a problem what we're losing in that women workforce is a tragedy and we should do what we can to keep people in those jobs or 
get into jobs that more suit our personality at that point of our life because we're bringing so much to the table. We don't want to lose those skills and mindsets. Yeah, I agree. And I think that um, there's something that you said there that's so important that, yes, we may be losing it from, from the workforce in the space that you've always been in, but maybe sit down with yourself and think, do I even want to do this anymore? And I think the, the problem then comes is that rising panic of, but this is all I know, and I don't know what else I want to do. I haven't got time to try and learn anything else, and the world is moving so fast, and I already feel really left behind. What the hell can I do? And I think this is where coaching is so important, and this can be a business coaching, a life coaching, whatever it is. Because what they will help you do is take this tangled ball of a mess of thoughts inside your head and really help you lay it all out. It, it's almost as if you're taking all your thoughts and you're writing, and we do this at home on the dining table. We do it as a family. We do it with the kids. We do it ourselves. You know, put all these, whether it's worries, concerns, skills, whatever, different color post-it notes, and you kind of put them around the table and then go, right, this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm feeling anxious about. This is where I feel I need to do a little bit of work on. How can I put this into a structure that I can make it work for me? Right. Okay. If we're talking a job, what could I do? What skill sets do I have that I can pull all this in line? Okay. I think this, who do I know that's in this space and who can I speak to and think, am I being realistic with this or am I completely out of my, you know, out of my league? Okay. I'm out of my league. What skills do I need to learn? And this is something that I think when we get to midlife, we haven't learned something new for a while. We've kind of been so busy juggling all the, the you know, the family plate, the relationship plate, the work plate, the blooming taking care of the dog plate, all the other plates that we're sort of spinning. And we think, how can I fit in learning something else? For the love of God, I don't have a minute to myself. How can I fit in learning? Actually, these post-it notes, stick them all down, stick them all down. Think, right, one, what can I, de- what can I delegate? I'm not spinning all the blooming plates. And then in that time, how can I use that to, to learn? Magical things happen. Because we get to midlife and we think, my brain is gray. I, I, don't, I don't have any room for any more knowledge. I'm too tired. Um, I just want everything to be nice. Actually, even if it's going to evening school, even if it's doing an online course, almost like there's little little sparks in your head that haven't haven't kind of ignited for a while and they start to go I see I almost visualize them as like a pilot light and they start to light up and you realize do you know I'm not the walking dead sometimes I have felt like the walking dead and there's still bits of me in there that can get excited about stuff and I tell you something else that happens you get braver and you look around this is when in midlife you become glorious because become a royal pain in the bum because you start <laughs> saying to your family and to everyone else i'm not going to do that anymore i'm not going to do that anymore actually do you know all this stuff that i've been literally carrying you and carrying you and carrying you you can all either bugger off or sort yourself out i'm off to evening classes and i tell you what the fallout was catastrophic because everyone's like what are you doing i've just been so taking you for granted and so used to you doing this thing and the kids are like, but you're always there to pick me up. No, I'm not. You're going to have to find your own way. The power it, of no. Yes. No is a complete sentence. And the first time I heard that, 
I, I was mind blown because I was, I'm in my fifties. I was raised in a certain way, which is be nice, be quiet, acquiesce, be a good girl, do what your dad says, do what your mom says, stop making a fuss, be tidy. And all my relationships, my, my behavior has been that way. And I'm fighting constantly against this big, polite muscle that is in my body. <laughs> Gosh, that's so true. That constantly goes, what are you doing? Sit down, be quiet. Nobody's interested. And it, it, it takes a lot, actually, to, to sort of stand up against that because you, in your head, you're, you're being rude. You're standing up against your mum, your dad, your, your teachers, your bosses. And actually, when you look around and realise, my sister and I laughed about this the other day. Um, I'm in my 50s. My sister's about to be 50. And she said, I, no, I said it to her, actually. I realised I was always scared to say no to middle-aged men because to me, they were dad. And I've suddenly realised I'm now the same age as my dad was when I was scared to say no to him. I'm now a middle-aged man and I can say no to myself if I want to. And it was the most incredible, oh, I'm now, I'm now at this point. And, and it's, it's hard. But actually, once you do it, you feel like the lady in that poem who wears purple and a hat that doesn't suit you and you run your stick along the railings and blow raspberries at people. It's actually really joyous. It's so much fun. It's an epiphany, isn't it? We, we, we sort of, you know, what's the word? You step into your power. But it's true. We, we, we have so much to give. I, do you know, I'm, I'm just chatting to you on, on, on this platform. And I almost forgot to ask any questions because I feel <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm just sorry. watching. I did it. talk a lot. No, I, no, no I I'm completely drawn in by everything yeah. that you say. It's so saying. inspiring. Well, what you're saying is, is it's literally what you know. I think what I've certainly been through. It's like learning to say no. It's articulating what we're thinking, but not realizing that we were thinking it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And also, it's not like you do that and then once. And then you stand there with your hands on your hips and the wind blowing in your hair like you're J-Lo. I get very stressed about J-Lo because I, I just think the amount of work that woman does to keep her, her, ash, her washboard abs, I, I get very stressed by it. Um, you know, standing there like this with the wind blowing in your hair and then you're done. You're not. What's really annoying is you do it once and you think, ha ha. And then about two months later, you realize, oh, no, I'm back to where I was again. Actually, I'm feeling really small and quite quite crumbly and I feel a little bit tearful and anxious and actually I'm even scared sometimes to speak up to that rude neighbour who really I should do um, and then you have to kind of gather yourself and do it again and and I think that's the bit that does get hard is is you've had a lifetime of behaviour and learnings you know that's got you to this point you don't just do it once and then that's it it's all kind of done you do have to keep doing it and that can get really tiring kind of right okay gather here we go I'm gonna do this again I'm too tired no no no. you can do this the amount of internal monologuing that goes on in middle-aged women is quite hilarious I think if if actually people could hear what we were thinking that's probably why I don't sleep very well because I'm always thinking about things or what I should have said or what I'm gonna say yeah <laughs> you know Nick and I we had a little moment last night funny enough because um when I when I say moment it was a marriage little tetchiness moment and We'd been talking about, I was running, this is so silly, I'm, I'm running out of um, eye makeup remover. And uh, I said to him in passing, oh, because I get it from Amazon. And I said, oh, I keep 
ding, this eye makeup remover that I'm running out of. And then by the time I go out of the bathroom, I've forgotten. Oh, I need to order that. And then every night when I go to take my makeup off, I think, oh, I need to order that stuff. And he said, oh, I'll, I'll do it for you. It's on Amazon. I'll, I'll order it for you. Oh, okay. So he walked out. Run, brushing my teeth. Da, 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 da. He shouts something from the bedroom. I didn't quite hear him. Carry on. And then I went in and he said something. I was, what are you talking about? And he went, you always do this. Literally, the last conversation that we had was talking about ordering eye makeup remover from Amazon. So I'm on Amazon now. And I went, no, that's the last conversation that you had with me. I've had a thousand conversations since then. I've literally, since then, I've thought of a thousand different things that I need to do or people that I need to speak to or things to add to my to-do list. In my head, that was four days ago. I can't, I can't remember what, and he looked at me like I'd gone mad. And actually, I do think that's quite a female thing. That in the five minutes that he'd left the room, I had literally had a hundred other conversations. It was just with himself. We're on like super warp speed with our thoughts, aren't we? If, like me, you're looking to lose weight, then take a look at Jane Plan. Jane Plan is the UK's leading weight management system that creates deliciously healthy meals and delivers them directly to your door. Together with their support, you'll lose weight, feel healthier, happier, and more in control of your eating habits. Created by nutritionist Jane Michelle, Jane Plan is the easy and healthy way to lose weight. All your breakfasts, lunch, dinners, and snacks are pre-prepared, perfectly portioned, and nutritious. Taking the worry away when it comes to managing your weight. There's no calorie counting, no weighing, no complicated recipes to follow, and virtually no shopping either. In fact, all you need to do is heat and eat. And with personalised support from their qualified nutritionists, you'll join over 100,000 Jane planners who have lost weight and kept it off. Are you at that point in midlife when you're realising that what you thought would make you happy really doesn't? I'm Erin Keating, host of the podcast Hotter Than Ever. At 50, I left my marriage, got laid off from my fancy TV job, and started over. I dated a ton of guys, had a lot of sex, found edibles, and I started to feel like myself again. On Hotter Than Ever, we explore the unwritten rules we've been following, and we break those rules to be freer, happier, and more self-expressed. Follow the show right now, join me every Thursday, and we can be hot together. You know, we're all people pleasers, aren't we? Women and girls, we're sort of brought up to be people pleasers. And I think one of the hard things, I I was listening to you talk about loneliness, which I do think is a really uh, dreadfully sad, very common thing for us at our stage of life. There's so many reasons that we might feel lonely. Our kids may have gone off to university or left home. Um, Our relationships may not be quite in the place that we want them to be. Uh, I think I've heard you mention the loneliness of the marital bed. You know, you've been with somebody for maybe decades and maybe there's just not that much between you anymore that you don't even know how to speak or to be with one another. Can you just talk us through a little bit more about, you know, loneliness and how perhaps to how to tackle that um, when you might be feeling like very small and unable to, to deal with it? I think small is such a key word here. And I think it is once you recognize actually that so much of your your internal monologuing, everything that we've just been joking about there, you know, how how many thoughts go through our head at any given time. Um, so much of that internal monologuing, whether it is sort of ruminating over 
how sad you feel that your relationship is not what it once was, how alone you feel because maybe you're not communicating as well as you once did, that that spark that I mentioned isn't there. Maybe it's that the kids don't need you as much as they did, or you're feeling displaced at work and suddenly you, you and it's such a strange feeling when you look around and you realize oh my gosh I'm the older person here at work how did that happen I I remember when I was a bright young thing suddenly I'm, an, I'm the older person this is really strange am I relevant anymore a lot of the words that we use and the tone that we use with ourselves makes us feel very small and what that does is it makes the problem seem so big and and this can happen to us at any moment in life but I think that there is a particular insidious loneliness that creeps in at mid in middle age. And I think that unless we have the tools to learn how to keep that in check, that grows and grows as you get older and it, ju- and, and it does get worse unless you, you find a way to change your circumstances or your thinking. One of the most powerful tools that we, we have in our, in our, toolbox is so simple when it comes to feeling small and I learned it many years ago from a a coach friend of mine and actually it was to do with the problem I was I was having at the time and uh uh, but I realized actually I can I can use it with loneliness and he said to me you're the way you're describing uh how you're feeling right now you seem really small he's really joy he's a lovely coach actually he's very joyous very funny always makes everything very light-hearted and he said I'm imagining you, you're, you're so weenie, I can hardly hear you. You're, you're so little. And he said, you need to find a way to shift the balance so that you yourself get bigger and whatever it is that is making you feel this way, whether it is problems in your relationship or whether it is loneliness or whatever it is, and you can make them feel smaller. So we talked through, right, all the things that are bothering you. And again, you can jot them down on a piece of paper or mentally you know ruminate in your in your head and now literally imagine yourself and the brain is so powerful and this is this is why we can sometimes end up in a tailspin with our emotions because our brain very often doesn't know the difference between an imagined emotion and and a real experience that we're having and if we're ruminating on how awful we're feeling our whole body starts to absorb that and it feels real rather than i'm not saying that it's not real you may genuinely have problems but it starts to feel really real and become bigger than the sum of its parts and he said now imagine this thing whether it is a person who's making you feel this way or or a situation and i imagine it shrinking and you're growing and we i was like what the hell are you talking about this sounds insane and yet i've done it so many times and you imagine them shrinking and you're getting bigger and bigger and bigger and what's so powerful about this is if it's a person that is making you feel bad about yourself or, or whether it is a problem or whatever, as you imagine them getting smaller, something really funny happens. And the smaller someone gets, the squeakier their voice becomes. It's, you know, you imagine it in a cartoon. The smaller they get, they get really tiny until they get really small. And they become slightly ridiculous. And then this thing that seemed so hurtful and so overwhelming and so unfair and that was keeping you feeling stuck and sad in the way that you are you are actually able to look down on it and go oh my gosh you're actually ridiculous why was I feeling so overwhelmed by you and I remember he said now you know clearly in real life this isn't very altruistic and it's not very kind he said if it makes you feel any better step on them 
I was like, oh, this is fabulous. You know, and I, any Buddhist watching, I really do appreciate this isn't very kind. So maybe they don't actually get squashed. Maybe they just disappear in a puff of smoke and go to another universe. But you stomp on them. You imagine yourself. And then you do actually feel better. And, and that might sound like quite an abstract way to talk about loneliness. But the, the, the reason that I use it as an example is because we all feel lonely for different things. There, and yes, I can talk about the loneliness of a marital bed. There is no other loneliness like it. When you are lying next to someone who you literally used to, you couldn't get enough of each other. Just the fact that you were lying in each other's arms was heaven on earth. And now you're lying there and you are rigid, rigid. And you, any movement they make sets your teeth on edge. Any movement you make sets their teeth on edge. How they breathe annoys you. How you breathe annoys them. Everything that you do and they do, instead of setting you on a path of delight and love, makes you feel angry, sad, rejected, and alone. And you can't say anything or do anything about it because you have friendship groups together. You, your families have blended together. You have children together and you feel so unbearably stuck. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that you use this visualization to shrink down your, your partner and step on them. That's not necessarily very kind. But what you can do is maybe find a way to reduce the size of the problem so that you can look at it in a, in a way that makes you feel a little bit more in control. Because I do think as women, we have such powerful imaginations. You know, that's what makes us so beautiful and creative and able to multitask. But sometimes it can overwhelm us. And if we can shrink everything down to a level that, okay, these are, the, these are my cons, these are my pros, I'm a big one for writing lists, right? These are the problems that I, that I think we're having in our relationship right now. Do this on, our own, on your own, first of all, so that you have a balanced take on it rather than just being wound up in a ball of emotion with it, right? And what can I do about that? And then you're able to sit and have a practical conversation about it rather than how you feel about it. Because sometimes that's where the disconnect happens because you get so wound up in. And yes, of course, address it. It's making me feel like this without blame. You're making me feel like this. This situation is making me feel like this. And again, that can be the relationship or my kids have gone and now I don't feel like I've got purpose anymore. I remember my son went off to university. I sat on his bed and sobbed, sobbed. And then 20 minutes later, he came back again because he'd forgotten his duvet. And then I was raging. I was thinking, you're so ridiculous. <laughs> and then it wasn't so bad anymore. Um, but, and then I turned his room into an office and I've never looked back. Um, <laughs> um, that's not quite true, but you know what I mean. So I do think that you know, this epidemic of loneliness that happens to us in midlife, so often we can let ourselves, and understandably so, because they're horrible feelings, just get swamped by it. So if we can find ways to make the issue itself smaller, so we can look at it with a, a stronger sense of ourself, it helps us come up with ideas as to how we can overcome it. Because I do think particularly as women in midlife, we don't necessarily want to bother anybody and reach out and ask for help. And also we don't want to own up to that we're feeling this way, even to friends. You know, 
we we meet up with friends we have coffee we laugh and joke and they may go through some be going through something that we see as a that well that's a proper problem what i'm going through now you know we have friends that are, we all do we have friends who are experiencing cancer we have friends who are experiencing bereavement or financial hardships and for us to say i feel lonely sounds so small in comparison even though it feels so big i think if we can find a way unless you have a, a you know someone that you really do feel you can open up with you can find a way to kind of deal with the start of it on your own so that then you can you know start the process of of helping yourself then you're sort of able to sit down and go do you know what i was feeling really lonely recently was anybody else feeling like this it's easier to then have that conversation rather than feeling like oh but i'm going to be the eeyore of the group and no one's going to oh here she goes again well that's what's good about your community because you know your Facebook, you can actually say that stuff without you're not saying it to your friends. You're, you're, it's like an anonymous person you're saying it to, and it gets it off your chest. It does. And what's what's great about the This Girls on Fire community? So for full transparency, we've we've actually the the app itself has gone now, purely because we recognised that human behaviour being what it was. Whilst the the and we've taken the courses and the masterclasses and everything else that I had out of the app. And they are now, everyone can access them. And actually we've realized that's a more powerful way to help people because they can pick and choose and uh, and, and work through the masterclasses on, on their own. Rather than when we, when we, when I spoke to my community, some of them were feeling overwhelmed that there was one a month and they were like, I can't actually keep up with this. Now they can just purchase them separately. And I took the community side of it and I put it into a private Facebook group because then again, it was a habit that they were used to. They were used to being in a private Facebook group. And what I love about this is exactly like what you've just said. We have we have women in the group who every every week I go live with either an expert or on a subject or I will talk openly about subject or I bring Nick in and we talk openly about subject. And for me, that it's about informing, but also sparking debate. And what I love about the, the Facebook group is that women are owning up to feeling ways within the that safe space that they wouldn't do with their friends and i totally get that and some of the women invite you know and i get it all because i'm the one who i'm the gatekeeper so i'm i'm the one who because it's a private group i i let people in or not and that's really important because i we've had some men try and join i, I don't know what they were thinking clearly thought this girl's on fire was a whole different thing um, so you know i have to make sure that it's a safe space um, so we have women, in, you know, they they'll invite 20 people, 30 people, this sort of stuff. Even then, I know they've been selective about who they've invited because it's not every friend. We have a friend that we're open with. We have a friend that we're funny with. We have a friend that we go for drinks with, a friend that we play tennis with. And not every friend is receptive to the idea of being totally honest with our feelings. So I actually love how that dynamic has changed by having it in Facebook. And I put my little bits in. And then I step back. I don't micromanage. I let them have their conversations with themselves because then they find their own feet with it and are able to articulate without thinking, am I saying the right thing? Is Andrea going to be impressed by this? Or is Andrea going to come back on this and what have you? It's not about me. It's about you. I just give you a space to have your conversation. That sounds wonderful. It really does. It's so interesting to actually find women properly supporting women 
do you know what I mean by that? Sometimes we can we can hashtag the heck out of that phrase, women supporting women. But actually, some women don't support other women. Some women can be really quite angry, put out, annoyed if there's success by a woman and they get sidelined by it. But it really does sound, and from what I've seen, This Girl is on Fire really is a community that is very strong and supportive and and warm and safe, as you said. Thank you. And and I work hard to keep it that way and make it a safe online space because, uh, and, and you know, I wrestled with the idea of keeping it private because clearly I would get a lot more traction um, and it would, it would end up in the papers and it would all of this sort of stuff. I would really be kind of showcasing, look, look how smart I am. Look at this stuff that I know. Look at these experts and all this sort of thing. And I thought, no, that, that's not why I'm doing this. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this because I want it to be in a safe space so people can actually learn and benefit from it rather than kind of showing off about what I'm doing. And so that's, it's free. The, the Facebook group is free and it is private. It takes a lot of organizing. You'll know this to weekly make sure that I have, I have guests, that I go live, that I do whatever. I don't have to do it, but I, I want to do it. Because I just, I know that I'm really lucky that I get access to people fairly easily that other people would have to struggle a little bit to, to get hold of. And they, they know, like, and trust me because they, they know I'm never going to stitch them up. I will only ever get them on the platform so that they can showcase how brilliant and smart they are about their chosen thing. And actually our conversation can help people. And it really is that simple. That's it. There's there's no agenda, um, because I I do understand where you're coming from with uh, you know this the, the idea of the sisterhood is a is a very noble one, and it would be lovely if it was true all of the time, but it's not. Just in the case of the boyhood or the manhood or whatever you call it, just the humanhood. People aren't always generous or as nice as they seem, and that's just life. That's just how it is. So all I can do is control what I can control. And my little corner of the universe is a tiny little Facebook group, if you look at it in the grand scheme of things. Um, and that that's all it is. I see it as people are welcome into, they're coming into my kitchen. And I wouldn't, I, all I would have is kindness and warmth and support in my kitchen. And if people start, you know, behaving in a certain way that I wouldn't have in my house, why would I have it in my Facebook group? So, you you know, it it, it doesn't happen. That's a lovely way of describing it. Mm. It's true. You wouldn't have them in your house, so why would you have them in your Facebook page? Um, it's very true. Yeah, and I, I do that with, with, with trolls as well. When I get trolled on social media, obviously outside of the, you know, the, the private platform, I wrestled with it for a little while because I thought, oh, does it, is, am I being disingenuous by, by removing this comment or blocking someone? And then I realised, oh, my goodness, my social media page the you know the the public one again is an insight into my kitchen and you're very welcome to have a look at what goes on in there but if you don't like it or it annoys you or you 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 really something about you me really pisses you off um then leave my kitchen it's fine it's, i i don't mind but if you're going to stand in the middle of it shouting at everybody and making everyone feel uncomfortable <laughs> i'm going to really politely just ask you to leave and block you and shut the door so that that's how i see it 
Oh, honestly, it's been so lovely to talk to you. I'll confess, Liz and I were freaking out. We didn't sleep last night because we were worried about interviewing oh, no. you. You know, you, you've you got this great journalist background. You're a fabulous interviewer. And we're like, oh, God, I'm really nervous. I'm really, really nervous. And do you know what helped was I was scrolling through your Instagram feed. There's something on there where you said how you didn't sleep and how you, you were nervous before you had Oprah Winfrey on the panel at Loose Women. I'm like, oh, yeah, she's just like us. <laughs> But you have been so delightful and so warm and we've taken up twice as much time as we promised to. But honestly, I just fall into your whole narrative. I just want to know more and I would love to be in your kitchen. I would love to have you as my life coach. Can you tell everybody where our listeners can find more details about your platform? Well, first of all, that's really kind of you to say for all of that. And I totally get it. You know, I... It's scary interviewing people. It's scary interviewing anyone who is in the public eye, and especially someone that you've you've seen on the telly or you've listened to their podcast or anything like that, because there's so many emotions going on. You, 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 you're just two, really, you're just two human beings, or in this case, three human beings having a conversation. But you, you want them to like you, and I do like you. I think you're great. So that's all good. Um, you know, and that's your main emotion when you're sitting opposite someone who is famous is, please like me as much as I, I like you. And she I totally us, Liz. get that. I do. I do. I get it. And, and you know, and just as a, as a brief, you know, aside, I, I will tell your lovely listeners where, you know, they can find me. When I interviewed Oprah Winfrey, did not sleep a wink. There's a reason why I don't have like pictures of it and clips of it on my showreel and this sort of thing. I looked so bad that day because I didn't sleep at all. I mean, I don't know what was going on with my face. You know, and you're so nervous that you, you don't even know how to smile. Your smile is like, hey, I look insane. And also, and I can say this because we're ladies of a certain age, I sweated so much. I was so nervous. And so my way, and I, I tell every, I tell it on stages when I do keynote talks because I don't care. Um, I was covered from head to toe in panty liners when I interviewed <laughs> Oprah Winfrey. I had one under each armpit to try and stop the sweat marks going through. I had one sort of on the back of my neck, just at the top of my dress, literally to try and absorb it because I thought, one, what if I get close enough to her that she has me? The heat radiating off me was, was going to be oh, so off-putting. And I was menopausal. And it was Oprah Winfrey. So... Uh, yeah totally real and I, I went home and it was a blur and I couldn't remember any of it and all of this sort of stuff and I can't I've looked back on it a few times and it wasn't the best interview but I did meet her and my biggest takeaway was one I swear Oprah is like our former queen and uh, our king and thinks the whole world smells of fresh paint and nervous people <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness People were nearly curtsying. We were so nervous about meeting Oprah. And she had this kind of aura about her that she knew. She just knew that she was there and that, you know, we were in the presence of greatness. And then it kind of happened and we all looked at each other like, did that just happen? Did Oprah just come in? Um, I didn't sadly get to speak to her other than what we saw on air, which was a real shame because she kind of was whisked in and whisked away. But I, I can still say I have met Oprah Winfrey and spoken to her. Um, in, so I'm not quite as scary as that. Um, in terms of where people can reach me, 
Uh, probably the best place. So if you want to come and join my my group, come on Facebook. It's Andrea McLean. This girl is on fire. Facebook group. I'm on Instagram at Andrea McLean one because somebody else has Andrea McLean. And I don't know how to ask for that back. Apparently you can. Um, if you're listening, the other Andrea McLean, apparently she hasn't posted since about 2012. So I could try and get that one back. But anyway, I'm Andrea McLean one. And that's kind of it. That's kind of it. Oh, you are absolutely brilliant. Loved, loved chatting with you today. <laughs> Thank you so much. You. This is probably going to be our longest podcast ever because I'm not cutting any of it. <laughs> Everything oh. stays in. <laughs> including our tummy rumbles because we're both fasting. <laughs> do you do I I'm trying to do that. It's I'm, good. I had coffee this morning with some MCT oil Me in it. Too. Apparently that's, that's my good. thing. Yes, yeah, it's supposed to satiate you. And is Apparently it, not during an interview. It? it doesn't work, does it? It's like a volcano going off. I felt like Etna during that interview. <laughs> oh, well, it's been a joy. Thank you both Thank so much. You. It's been lovely. Okay, officially, she is my most favourite human. <laughs> Don't tell James that. Oh, she's so lovely. Do you know, she was only supposed to be with us for, what, 25 minutes recording? Hour and a quarter later? Yes, thank you. I could have probably continued chatting for another couple of hours. As I said, it's like being in her kitchen chatting. Oh, I, oh, I love it. her. Yeah. And she's just so wise and, like, articulate about things. What she said was so true. Everything was true. It just, yeah, it resonated so much with me. Mm. I mean, I did want to bring up, which I wasn't going to say, you know, I don't get it when couples sleep in separate rooms that, that people do now. Quite a few of my friends do. Really? And that, that does worry me. Because you lose the connection. Yeah, yeah. I know as they say, because they snore, they, you know, but I, I don't yeah. get that. Yeah, it works for some people. It wouldn't work for me, that's no, for sure. No. But um, I think we need to maybe get Andrea and Nick on to talk about men as they approach retirement and finding their tribe and finding you know friends because so many men just work 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 and I, I know this is like gender specific and you know everyone will say it's not just men it's women too that's true but in in my particular case I'm thinking that you know when you get to the end of a really busy career when you've put 120% into family and work you haven't really had much time to develop friendships. You haven't been going down the pub on a Friday night because you're still working on a Friday night. I would love to have Nick and Andrea come and talk about that next chapter for men. What do you think? Well, definitely, because we had touched on it in an episode a while back, didn't we, about, you know, is, is, is retirement bad for your health? Yeah. Um, and it's the mental health as well. It's not just physical health. So yeah. it'd be a fantastic chat. And also, I think we'd learn a lot. And our husbands would learn a lot. Mm. I think it's really important to try and find your tribe. And also, I don't want James getting under my feet all the time, every day. I'd love to see him out having play dates. <laughs> Why do you think my, my husband plays golf three times a week? Why do yeah, you think? There uh, is, yeah, that's it. You play golf or you join a rotary club or you, you, you find some kind of um, hobby. It's not always easy to take that first step, though. No, you need, you need the guidance. Yeah. You need to push in the right direction. Yeah. And that's what I'd like to learn about. Anyway, that was Andrea McLean from This Girl Is On Fire. She is on fire. She's amazing. You can find more about This Girl Is On Fire on our website at twowomenchatting.com. And that's all from us. See you soon. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to Two Women Chatting with our special guests. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to us if you left a rating and review. Even better, share with your friends. And please get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. There's a link on our Instagram bio and Facebook pages. 